0: To be called the salt of the earth is undoubtedly a compliment. These days, whenever you hear that phrase, it typically means that the person being referred to is honest, unpretentious, morally straightforward, simple in the best sense of the word the kind of person that we might all do well to aspire to be. And yet, while that use of that phrase as a compliment has its origin in this week's gospel text, that's not exactly how Jesus is using it here. Instead of trying to praise his disciples in this passage, he's instead trying to describe them. More to the point, he's trying to help them understand themselves, help them understand something about themselves that they might otherwise miss. Why exactly he refers to them as the salt of the earth, however, is not perfectly clear. He's speaking in metaphor, of course, and as it does today, salt in the ancient world had a number of important uses that he might be drawing on. One of them, and perhaps the one that most of us grew up associating with this text, was its ability to heal and preserve. While these days there's a negative connotation to the image of Rubbing salt in a wound. Salt in a wound is actually a good thing. Salt fights infections. It heals. Even today, with modern antiseptics and antibiotics, how many of us grew up gargling with salt water whenever we had a sore throat? In much the same way, salt can also preserve from decay. It keeps bacteria and other bugs from spoiling food. And again, even today with refrigeration and all of the technologies that we have at our disposal, we still use it. Beef jerky, canned vegetables, country ham. In the ancient world, they would have preserved salt. So you can see how this quite possibly could be the image that Jesus is drawing on here. You are the salt of the earth, he says to his disciples. Therefore, go and help, go and heal, do all that you can to preserve this world from decay. Keep it safe. Keep it incorruptible for your Father's kingdom. It's a metaphor that makes perfectly good sense. I will almost certainly preach that sermon in a few years when this text rotates back around. And yet, this morning, I want to go in a different direction. I want to read Jesus' metaphor in a different way and with a different valence. In her best-selling book Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Samin Nosrat tells a story from her apprenticeship as a chef. It was her first year being allowed to work in the restaurant's kitchen and she had been given the task of preparing a polenta for that night's meal. If any of you have ever tried to cook polenta, then you know that despite having the simplest of all ingredients, water, cornmeal, butter, and cheese, it can be a painstaking, delicate process just when you're fixing it for your friends. Imagine her fixing it for a restaurant full of paying customers. Imagine her fixing it for her mentor. Well, that afternoon, after gathering the ingredients, she began. After stirring the cornmeal into the water for 90 minutes straight, she added the butter and the parmesan cheese, just as she'd been instructed to. She tasted it, but it was off. She'd done everything that she was supposed to do. She spent the last hour and a half, she says, stirring like a maniac to make sure that it didn't scorch on the bottom. And yet there was still something wrong. So she took a spoonful to the chef, and upon tasting it, he told her, She went back, she shook in some salt, stirred it, and tasted, and there, better, tasty, more flavorful, so triumphant, she took a second spoonful to the chef and offered it to him. After looking it clean, he thought to himself for a moment and simply said, follow me. Nazrat says that he then marched her back to the pot and immediately, without measuring, without any kind of a second thought, threw in three entire handfuls of salt. She was stunned. She was aghast. She was concerned. Hours of work ruined, she thought. But then, just as she was losing hope, he handed her a spoon and simply said, taste. In her book, she describes what happened next. Some indescribable transformation had occurred, she says. The corn was somehow sweeter, the butter was richer, all of the flavors were more pronounced. I had been certain that the chef had ruined the Hot and turned my polenta into a salt lick. But no matter how I tried, the word salty did not apply to what I tasted. All I felt was satisfaction with each mouthful. If you ever cooked, or if you've ever eaten, then you know what that satisfaction can feel like. Suddenly, with the right amount of salt, you realize that your meal has been transformed. Like in the polenta, you can taste the ingredients in the recipe and they don't simply stand out on their own. But instead, they complement one another, just like they were always intended to. Salt, you see, takes what is already there and helps it to shine, helps it be all that it possibly can be. It unlocks flavors that you might not have guessed were there, reveals complexities that you might not have been able to anticipate. Think about what salt does to even the most basic of foods. Sliced tomatoes, boiled peanuts. Don't think about it too long, because it's not lunchtime yet, but you you get the picture. With the right amount of salt, even the simplest of ingredients can blossom into something special. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus tells his disciples. While the interpretation that I mentioned earlier, the one focused on healing and saving and preserving, is a fine one and may well be the original one, there's something to this other reading as well. Too often the church gets a bad rep for being boring, or for wanting to constrain people, make everybody the same, tamp down life. Hence the famous line from H.L. Mencken that Puritanism is the haunting fear that somebody, somewhere, just might be having a good time. Perhaps not a completely unearned reputation. And yet, with all due respect to Mr. Mencken, the dead opposite of the good news. The church... The gospel, if it is truly to be the salt of the earth, is called not to tamp down life, but instead to bring it forward. Not to depress, but to enliven. Not to suppress parts of who we are, but instead to help us realize them. I have come that you may have life, Jesus will tell his disciples in a little while. Have it in abundance. No, my friends. Make no mistake about it. In this world, it is not the gospel that is keeping people from realizing who they truly are. Instead, it is in fact that old-fashioned thing that we call sin the brokenness around the world, the fallenness, the fear, the selfishness, the cruelty. Those are the things that keep people from being their true selves. Those are the things that suppress gifts and abilities and uniqueness. And in contrast to that, like salt added to a dish, the good, news ought to bring those other things forward, ought to help us discover our gifts and our abilities and those things that make each one of us unique. They ought to help us know ourselves better, help us finally understand who we were created to be in the first place. It is in relationship with God and with one another, my we find our true selves, that is where we realize just what it might mean for us to shine. <clears throat> Today is the fifth Sunday of the season of Epiphany, and I've made a lot of pain over the last few weeks talking. That is a season where we remember what it is like to get to know God, what it's like to meet Jesus for the first time, what it's like to learn and to realize and to have literally an epiphany. This morning, however, the good news of the gospel isn't just that in this thing that we call church, we get to meet God and know God and love God and be loved kind. This morning, the good news is that through the good news we also get to meet and know and love ourselves to finally learn who we truly are, who we should be, and who, by the grace of God, You know, when the chef added those three handfuls of salt to Nasrat's polenta, when he stirred it in and he told her to taste it, the polenta did not end up tasting like salt. It wasn't turned into a salt lick like she feared. And it also didn't suddenly taste like something altogether different either. Instead, she tells us, instead it finally, finally tasted like itself. Thanks be to God.